0: How do I let go of shame from my past experiences? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. And we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery.
1: Hey, Tyler, you ready to have some hard conversations? Let's do it. Let the Therapy Brothers podcast begin. Yeah. Tyler, have you let go of the shame from when you beat me up when I was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I lost my two front teeth two, like two and a half years before I was supposed to because Tyler threw my head against a, a wooden box.
0: <laughs> was that me that did that, Brandon? Oh, I don't, don't know even, that, huh? don't even.
1: You know it was you. Maybe,
0: maybe, <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I haven't even gotten to pe- to the accountability stage yet, let alone letting go of the shame. I remember
1: tasting blood in my mouth, and I'm looking, her, and I'm like, oh, it's bloody, weird. And then I see two little white things on the floor, and I'm like, oh, like did someone drop like something? How and old it, were it, you? <laughs> yeah, I dropped my two front teeth out of my mouth. <laughs>
0: where we what what was this scenario we weren't actually fighting were we we, were just lo- we
1: loved to wrestle like we yeah. would as kids we'd wrestle in that front room a lot it was it was fun
0: yeah. and it wasn't
1: your fault at all i I remember not being mad at you or anything <laughs> but i was just freaked out <laughs> well
0: and i i remember being scared to death that i was going to be in big time trouble and that you might never grow your teeth back
1: yeah well yeah. i i had to listen
0: to for three years, I had to listen to All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth.
1: Um, <laughs> but other than that, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Probably made some room in my mouth for my braces and stuff. Yeah. So you did me a favor. <laughs> oh, thanks for softening the blow now. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. <laughs> um, well, we got uh, Wes on the show with us today. Wes, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks. I appreciate um, you having me on.
1: Yeah, if you could just give us a little bit of what's been going on and what you're working through, give us some context and ask any questions you have.
2: Uh, so I've been married for almost 16 years. I've um, struggled with uh, um, pornography and sex addiction for most of my grown life, or um, and I, about a year ago, I just totally hit rock bottom. And started seeing a counselor and, and started getting a lot of help. And, and my wife and I have really had uh, a really good uh, growth experience the last year or so. i trying to dig ourselves out of it. And luckily, she, she's a great woman and uh, has really been there to support me. Um, and I remember when I first started um, the journey, uh, I, I kept saying things like, man, I sure wish I had some... A traumatic experience in my life that I could point to that could tell me exactly, you know, what led me down this road. Uh, road, but you know, I mean, I grew up in a good home with a good family and, and all these things. And I kept saying, I just can't point to anything. <laughs> and the more I dug, and the more I dug, the real, the more I realized uh, how guilt and shame um, about some experiences uh, uh, with sexuality as a kid. You know, that that really weren't very major traumatic things. But uh, man, I just remember being like a nine, 10 year old kid and feeling such shame because, you know, there was such a negative, uh, such a negative uh, feeling of of sex uh, and and sexual things in in my family. And, uh, you know, just having been exposed to a few things as a small kid. Uh, just feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm already like, I'm nine and 10. Um, I'm, I'm already on the path to hell here. I I don't even know how I'm going to escape from this. And, uh, you know, just feeling so terrible about myself thinking, uh, how am I going to, you know, survive and get past this? So I struggled, um, you know, things escalated as a teenager with, with pornography and, I couldn't, I just didn't feel, I, I felt I was the only one that was having these sorts of issues. Because, you know, none of my friends ever brought up anything uh, that they were struggling with. And church leaders um, were always, you know, harping on us to to stay away from things. And, and so I just assumed that everybody else was being good and I was the only one who wasn't. Um, so I, I am... Uh, you know, as I got to be a teenager, I prepared to go on a, on a mission. I I am uh, I am Latter Day Saint, and, and um, really wanted to go and serve and and go on a mission. Um, but I was not courageous enough to face any of those, uh, any of those issues before I went. Uh, you know, I wasn't comfortable talking to my parents about any of this, definitely, and and had never opened up to a friend, had never, uh, definitely had never talked about things to church leaders, even when I'd been specifically asked if I had, you know, had struggles. And, you know, in my mind, I was just going to pray it away. And, you know, I, being on a mission was just going to cure me and I was going to be good. Um, but when I got out there, man, the, the shame and, and the guilt, uh, I, I look back reading a journal entry, of, uh, you know, when I was, you know, when I was being trained to be a missionary thinking, um, you know, I, I need to, you know, I know, I I know what I need to do and I'm going to just confess and, uh, you know, everything will be okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. And I would chicken out. I could never pull the trigger. Um, and, and so that shame and guilt, um, has stayed with me. And I think that has been probably the major contributor to, to uh, issues that I've had with, with addiction in, in the sexual realm. And, uh, you know, now as I'm working through the guilt and, and, you know, working with honesty with church leaders, with my wife, especially um, with, with, friends, with people in support groups, with, with things like that. Um, I, I've been able to make a lot of progress, but I still can't shake the guilt.
0: And then the guilt produces what in your life, Wes?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it used to produce the cycle of acting out um, and just hiding from life. Uh, in general, you know, it was the the only way. It was my coping mechanism, the the one thing I had to kind of survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then it was just that vicious cycle and, until it really got really out of hand. And you know, about a about a year ago, I was in a place where I never thought I would be. Um, but uh, I, I have learned that transparency and honesty with myself and trying to gain that integrity um, is the thing that's helped me the most, but it still can't shake the shame. Yeah.
0: How do you, how do you currently cope with the shame since you're not acting out Wes? Is it just that pain that you sit in all the time? Don't know what to do with it. or Are you actually coping in other ways?
2: You know, I, I try to, first of all, just recognize it and sit with it because I mean, I used to just shove it down, <laughs> um, and, and try to avoid it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel better when I realize, you know, try to give myself some compassion, um, try to, uh, try to think back on, on, you know, how I was lovable, how I was, um, you know, I, I, I was just clueless. I, I, I just you know, and I'm, and I know I wasn't the only person in the world struggling. Uh, I I just wish more people were open uh, and, and sharing. So that's a big reason for why I knew I needed to come on here with you guys to to talk about it. But um, I, I I guess that's part of it is looking for more ways to to cope. Um, you know, I, I I've I've definitely talked to people about it. That I, I mean, I've shared with. I've shared things with people that I can't believe I've ever shared. You know, they were like on my, I will die uh, with these things, um, you know, going down with me in my grave. And I've shared those things. Um, and and that has brought healing. and And I think that has helped me to not turn to my original ways of coping.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so I just want to make sure that we're all clear here. And that also maybe that there's some context for some of our listeners as well, really quickly before we move on. What I'm hearing you say, Wes, is that you're currently finally in a spot where you're open heartedly pursuing your own recovery. And you keep running into these spots of things from the past that have happened that you can't necessarily change, but they still are a source of pain for you because you have regrets about them, where you have feelings of being unforgiven for those things. And one was with some childhood stuff that happened sexually, maybe even before you really understood sex, you just felt bad. And then the other part is with church thing. And the issue here is just so our other listeners know is that in your church around the age of 18 or 19, it's kind of expected and there's an opportunity for you to go on a two-year mission. And in order to do that, you have to go through a series of preparation and interviews with church leaders. And you were dishonest with those church leaders about getting yourself out on that mission. And now you're looking back at it going, I can't go back and fix it. I feel guilt and shame for it. Um, I don't know what to do about that or how to let that go now that I'm a grown man and trying to move on into my recovery. And so there's these past things that are kind of sitting on your conscience. Is that right?
2: That that's exactly right, and and I and I think, you know, when I was in the middle of all the addiction, you know, all all these, you know, the childhood things and the guilt from my teenage years, I I, I don't think were even playing <laughs> in my mind because I was doing so many other right. dishonest things. Um, but as I've cleaned my life up, and you know, tr- made tremendous strides. Uh, it's just those lingering things that are still, you know, I, I feel more forgiven for terrible things I've done last year than I do for some of the things when I didn't even realize what I was doing as much, you know? Yeah.
3: Okay. Were, yeah. Were you sinning then?
2: <laughs> um, I, I would say I had... I had had a pornography addiction before my, my mission. I wasn't using it during, of course, but, uh, you know, there were times where I was, uh, slipping and, uh, you know, having, having, having bad thoughts or, you know, I mean, not even bad thoughts, but, you know, I, I, there, there were things I'm not proud of, I guess.
1: Wes, your, um, what were you taught about sex growing up?
2: (laughs) Not much. Okay. Um um I I I don't think my dad has ever had the talk with me now and I'm a 42-year-old man. So um that that never happened. My my mother is a nurse and so she would try to be, you know, clinical. <laughs> um you know to have uh, very high-level conversations. Um but I mean it, we, it was it was taboo. We didn't talk about you know, I mean, what, anything
1: what were you taught about sex at church
2: oh well just to you know don't do it um <laughs> that uh, okay. that it was that it's basically terrible and um bad and icky now but then as an adult when you're married it'll be a very lovely beautiful thing <laughs> that'll uh that <laughs> so i mean that transition of going from uh basically it being the worst thing you could do to suddenly being okay with it being you know being the thing that's going to bring you so close to your spouse like that's very confusing
1: right what what's your understanding of lust like what is what is lust
2: so i mean to me lust would be
1: like what were um, you taught growing up and what do you believe it is now
2: Yeah, like, I I think just growing up, it would just be bad thoughts, Um, you know, having sexual thoughts toward anybody, basically. Um, I mean, now I would say it's, um, I don't know, I have a hard time even defining it today, I think.
1: This definition is important. Uh, because you you base so much of your worth and who you are and whether you're sinning or not off of this definition right and it's still not clear clear to you yeah it's not yeah um you know you I don't know if if everyone can see this this little t trauma that happens all the time um and it's kind of like uh a leopard cub who um you know is told t- to not have spots and then the spots start showing up as it's growing up and it starts like freaking out because it's like oh my gosh i'm not supposed to have these spots like what's happening um and it, like it's a leopard it's a leopard and what happens is when it rejects the spots it thinks it's hiding the spots and the spots come out anyways, and they come out sideways, which then drives home the shame about who they actually are. And the problem, and Wes, you know this, the problem is not, you're, is not sexuality here. The problem is the shame. And then the problem is loss of heart and loss of self, loss of understanding of who you actually are. And you're, you're caught in the, in the cloud of shame so that you don't actually feel and trust who you are and in your masculine heart. Right. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does.
1: Um, So the the healing in order to reclaim your heart, um, a a big part of that has to be loving and accepting all of you. Right. Tyler, anything you want to add to this?
0: Yeah, actually, Brandon, I I love where you're going with this. I would maybe add something to it. And this might be a place that we need to have a discussion about to to kind of clear up a little bit as well. Is that in your past, you know, Wes, I'm going off of just a couple of things you said. And where Brandon's going, I think is right, is that this it's the shame that's the issue. And I think you know that. But the problem is, is that Brandon asked you a question about sin. And I think we actually need to back up to that for just a second and actually cover that a little bit more on what sin is and how you, how you associate sin with what it actually is. Um, so when, when Brandon asks you, Hey Wes, did you sin? Were you sinning as a teenage boy? What's the emotion that comes up in you when you think about that?
2: Well, I I guess that just takes me back to those, um, Interviews with uh, church leaders when they were asking me, um, you know, yeah. are you okay? <laughs> are you are you good? Or can we just uh, breeze past this? And
0: mm-hmm. but but what's the emotion when you when it takes you back there? What's the emotion that comes up inside of you?
2: I uh, like hiding. Yeah. Like um,
0: you're you're in that mode already yeah. of, of feeling the shame, pulling away, hiding, wanting to disappear. Yeah. And I'd, I'd maybe submit that that's how most of us are trained to think about sin. You know, when we hear the word sin, we hear shame. Did you sin? Oh, you should. Did you do something that's very shameful? Should you have a ton of shame?
2: I and better I'm, go get that fig leaf and cover yeah, myself up. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. That's that's it. And I wonder, like in this scenario, actually, where Brandon's going is right—that you shouldn't be ashamed of your spots. You're a sexual being. It sounds like you had some life. Some kind of socialization pretty early into that realm, even before you really had a template to understand it, you then went and made choices that were probably actually outside of your overall values uh in the realm of sexuality that would be classified as sin, but the way you interpreted that was as shame right yeah yeah and i may I'd maybe submit a different definition of sin to think about that might allow us to deconstruct this a little bit further and this, uh, this definition comes in part with the help of the book, The Four Agreements, and I just want to just share kind of how The Four Agreements define sin and ask if it goes along with the shameful version of what you hear. Sin is anything that you do which goes against yourself. So does
3: that have shame? Involved in it.
0: So you may have done certain things that would act against yourself in terms of the way that, you know, pornography maybe doesn't line up with your values of self. Yeah. And so you were doing things that might have been harming yourself. Dishonesty doesn't line up with your values of self. So lying to your church leaders in order to to keep some type of a facade up. Could be classified as sin, but it doesn't have to mean shame.
1: Tyler, Tyler, here's I got. I just got to say this while you're saying this, and and maybe it was flush this out a little bit. It's anything that goes against self. Well, a huge part of self is our sexuality, and a beautiful God-given part of self is our sexuality. Yes, and 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 I think what we're taught and what's so broken is that. Anything sexual is sin. And so we think that any fantasy, too many erections, any thoughts, that's automatically sin. And we're supposed to fight against our sexuality. And we start at a very young age, we start this fight against ourselves. And we start to interpret that fight in that battle against ourselves as a means to either be good enough, be righteous enough, and be worthy enough, or as proof that we're not. And and that's where this whole struggle and I believe this is where Satan just takes a stronghold. He's loving how much we reject sexuality. He's loving how we don't know what lust actually is. Um he's loving how we take this very beautiful important thing and we turn it just into disgusting bad and wrong and 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 then throw a bunch of anxiety around it. Um do, do, do you see what I'm saying, Tyler?
0: Yeah, you're going back even further than I am and saying the way that we're socialized or that it sounds like Wes was socialized. And I would say this is kind of true for a lot of people. I mean, I can relate to this too. I don't know that it's intentional, but is that the rejection of sexuality then leads to the belief that anything sexual is a sin. And when I sin, that means I'm bad. And that when I'm bad, that means there's shame. And then Eventually, I'm doing other things: high, lying, hiding, being dishonest, all the other forms of denial, over something that had the at the roots was actually part of what God gave me. Tyler,
1: how I'm going to ask you this question: how, how old were you when you got your first erection?
0: Oh, dude I, <laughs> I i I don't I, I've I don't never asked I can, my older brother this question. <laughs> I got to ask you. I don't know if I can remember actually, like how early it was, but I know it was probably pretty early. Like, right, like
1: I, you, you can't remember it because it, it was like from almost the day you were
0: born. it started I think, happening. I think right? the first time. I think the first time that I it was like actually like what is this was probably in that like you know ten eleven year old range. Sure, sure. But know, before but,
1: then, it was happening, right?
0: Right, because that's <laughs> because that's how the human body works, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so this is where Brandon, I think, what you're bringing in, and there, and what I'm trying to bring in. I got to ask
1: one more one more question. Did you notice naked Barbies?
0: yeah of course you did yeah you did i knew it yes (laughs) so did i (laughs) so so did everybody else right Right. yeah at some age right i don't even know what age was like
1: this thing is naked
0: like wait this thing what is this thing why is it i kind of
1: like that but it's this weird
0: plastic thing why is it built this way i don't understand it sure exactly but there was definitely curiosity there's definitely that kind of wonder, no question.:
1: right?
0: Yeah, for sure. So Wes, I don't want to, I don't want, we're not going to lose you. I promise. Yeah, we'll come sorry. back I'm, to you. I,
1: I'm deviating us off. So,
0: so, um, but I think this is actually important, Brandon, because where, where I'm trying to insert is that somewhere in the middle, Brandon, because sexuality is beautiful and amazing and it's given to us by God. And in the Christian world, it's also given to us with a set of guidelines by God because it's beautiful and powerful and it can actually be harmful if it's misused because it's so deeply tied to our soul, to our emotions, to everything else. And when we act out of the guidelines that God gives, that could be seen in some ways as acting against ourselves, but it doesn't make us a bad person. It doesn't make us unlovable. And the feelings that we have that are sexual Don't make us bad or unlovable. They're part of who we are. Right. Okay. So, Uh, but, but I, but I, maybe, and maybe you and I would disagree on this, but I don't think it was healthy for Wes to look at porn and get addicted to porn before he went on a church mission.
1: But I, I do think that we spend way, way, way more time on that side of the continuum. Than we do on the, the side of accepting your spot.
0: I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and that's why you push so, so hard. We
1: spend so far over there that coming back to accept your spots feels really uncomfortable for people. Yeah. Um. And, and And I don't think it needs to be said that much more like, hey, you're supposed to, if you're a religious person, you're supposed to control
0: your sexuality. We get that. We understand that. Well, but but part of but part and, of just coming back to part of just coming back to being like, hey, accept your spots, like, dude.
1: But 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 that's anything the way, you do sexually, but, but that's that, actually that's not the, good advice. That's the way that the over religious, rigid um side comes to say, don't have this openness and this acceptance toward yourself. Because if you do, you're just gonna fall off the, the end of the earth, right? And you're not, you're not, you're actually gonna have more control and more self-love. And more choice and agency when you actually come back to, I actually am honest with myself about who I am and my arousal template is unique. Wes, your arousal template is unique. It's different than mine. It's different than Tyler's and that's beautiful and it's okay. And whatever's on there is on there. Now you get to choose what you do with that, but the way that you have choice is not by trying to force yourself to be something that you're not. And, the, and that's the message, Tyler, that drives me nuts and that I hear all the time that drives this shame home that Wes has. Right. And it pisses me off yeah. because I've, I've worked with Wes, guys like Wes, a ton. Yes. And it pisses me off. So when we come back to, yeah, 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 like you, you better have control. We get it.
0: We understand. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but, Wes. But but, but <laughs> Brandon, but Brandon, Wes, you're stuck in the crossfire here for a second because I think there's two truths going on. But if you swing too far to the other side, you yeah, that's the same disservice as you're doing on the other rigid side. It it Soar. actually it actually is a pathway through the middle. And I and I want to ask you this, Wes, that if let's let's take this on all three sides. If I said to you, Wes the way you were raised and the way you thought about things is exactly how it should be can carry on, buddy, hold strong, get rid of your spots. Like, how does that sit with
2: you? I thought that'd be the worst thing I could do.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's the worst yeah. thing could do. But then if I came to you and I was like, Hey, Wes, you know what? The way you were taught was so wrong. I want you in the strip clubs tonight because that's, uh, what temp- that's what's on your template. And but you Tyler, go by you that? even
1: saying that does damage because that's not what I'm saying.
0: I'm
1: not saying Wes, run to the strip club. I'm saying Wes, stop and accept who you are. Yes. Like own who you are. It's okay. If you want to look at porn, you want to. That's reality. Does that mean that you have to go do that? No. So stop Perfect. and accept who you are, don't, it, but but Tyler, when you come back and you say that, there's this message of if you stop and accept yourself, you're gonna run off the rails. And that's not true. That's not true. And if yep. we continue to push that message, we continue to push force and control, which then ends up with this shame that Wes has.
0: Right, But if you but if you say what you say and you don't clarify that you actually align with them living within their values, what people hear is the other end of the spectrum which also isn't healthy. And so that's what I'm asking you Wes if I say to you all of those things how does that sit with you?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to do that either. So
0: Yeah, um, and where and where Brandon's going yeah. is actually what Brandon's saying is is that when we meet ourselves with understanding and compassion and this is where a lot of people listening are going to have a hard time with this right now too, the actual truth is that it will lead us to take care of ourselves, which then means we're going to make choices that align with who we are and will actually be congruent with our values. And in your case, that will probably mean that you have certain feelings that you choose not to act on. You'll have other feelings that you choose to act on because it'll align with who you are and lead you to take care of yourself. Is that fair, Brandon?
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I just think, but we gotta be careful with this constant message of if you stop for a minute and let go of the fear and control, then all of a sudden you have permission to do everything. And I think there's a difference between I think using any fear and any control leads to shame, and I, th- I think that's the sin. Yeah. And I think actual, I think actual self acceptance and acknowledgement actually steps you into your power which then helps you step into your agency. And that's what's missing. And that's not what's taught very often at church, especially around sexuality.
0: Yeah. Um, and so so then there's, when you, yeah. There's one issue with that though, that, that possibly gets in the way. And I want to ask you this, Wes, according to your value system, how did that definition of sin that I shared with you sit with you?
3: So it's been a few seconds. Okay, uh, remind me the definition is
0: when I do anything that acts against myself.
3: So I guess if
2: if I'm looking at it as anything that acts against my own best interest, I, I think I could buy into that definition. Okay. Um, I have a hard time saying just into myself because yeah. I, I know I'm flawed and and. Sure. Don't always know what's best for me.
0: Okay. So so just with that then, Wes, and then I'll get off my side of the soapbox too for a second, is are there things that you did as a teenager that were against your self-interest? Yes. Okay. Being able to actually own those things from a place of self-compassion will then lead to you having the power To make the choices to do what's necessary to repair that, whether you need to go and make amends for things that you did with people you may have hurt, or whether you need to learn to actually surrender that back to God and let it go, you still get to keep your choice by being able to own that, and that's the important thing. Is is there's the self compassion and acceptance of who you are, the acceptance that you're human and that you maybe sometimes choose to do things that don't that are not in your best interest. And then you get to make the choices as to how you want to handle that moving forward. And what shame tries to do is shut down all of that. It shuts down the self-compassion. It shuts down the accountability and it tries to take away your choice. And that's what you're in the business of trying to reclaim as you work your recovery.
3: Wes, this goes along with what Tyler's saying about, about what
1: he's talking about reclaiming. Um you started recovery a year ago and I imagine there was some dishonesty with your wife and things like that going on before that. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that accurate? Definitely. Um, and now you're saying, well, I want to be transparent. Um, what, what does that transparency lead to? And ultimately like what, like what is recovery?
2: Well, recovery is definitely a lot more than just um, a lot more than just sobriety, right? Re- recovery is having a. Uh, I think being okay with who I am, being being, um, honest with who I am, feeling that I am. Uh, liking myself again—that's uh, definitely part of recovery. Um, yeah.
1: can, can, when you say liking myself, can that include your sexuality and who you are all Yeah, part, all parts of it?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. But, but what if, what if some of those things are scary to talk about, or maybe not what they're supposed to be? Can you still like yourself?
2: Yeah, I, I can. Um, even, you know, another part of my
3: um
2: yeah another part that i've i've grappled with is actually part with um some same sex attraction mm-hmm. and um knowing that that definitely is um something that i've come to be more at peace with knowing that I feel um, some of those attractions realize that um, it's a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, But at the same time, not hating myself for it. Mm -hmm. um, But also knowing how much I appreciate many aspects of my sexuality, how, how much I love my wife, how much I love my uh, my relationship with her and how our relationship has improved dramatically, uh, both the relationship itself and uh, sexually.
1: Yeah. Wow, Wes. What Did you, just, you just hear that, Brandon?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was freaking off. Wes just said everything we just said.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what I'm trying to get to right there. Right? Like, I, I mean, with the same sex attraction, Wes, should you should you reject that? That's inside of you?
2: No, absolutely not.
1: Okay. I love that. Should you act upon that? Like just automatically because
2: it's no, because that's, that's against my, um, personal, uh, beliefs. My, 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 you don't,
1: you don't want those consequences in your life to act upon those things. So you choose not to, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so this is the dialectic and this, this is the, the thing that I try to explain is, is yes you can absolutely be okay and even love those parts of you and you can absolutely choose what what you want in your life and what consequences you want and what consequences you don't want um but the old way and and I think the system you've been under for a long time Wes is trying to control trying to force it it into a box right like trying to be huh. a certain thing right
2: yeah Pray it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, read your scriptures and pray it away. You know. And it doesn't go away. It's there. It's there. Um, I want to come back to something that that I asked you when I said, What is recovery? And and you said, you know, it's getting to a place where I like myself. And um I think Tyler and I both know this. It's it's deeper than even that. It's getting to a place where you know yourself you trust yourself, you understand who you are to to God and your purpose with God. And so if you're being attacked by shame all the time around sexuality, um, you're like spinning out way over there and not really grounding in and, and stepping in. But the way to actually know who you are, you have to, instead of try to become something you should be, you have to let go and actually accept some things, and and I hear you in that process, Wes. I can tell that you're you're like in that process right now. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely in that process. I, I I'm more than just liking myself. I'm I'm beginning to see uh, that I am God's son, and and where I fit in 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 all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um knowing that is, is you can rest assured, you know, like maybe you need to tell your wife a difficult thing. And if you know you're loved by God, it's much easier to tell her when you're not consuming her for your worth. Right. And so that transparency piece is both therapeutic and it's both like when you start being transparent, you start to realize I am okay, even when I am me. Um, But then when you're, you are you, are you and you realize you're okay, it's easier to be transparent. And so it kind of feeds on
0: itself, right? So it's its own feedback loop. And I actually hear it in what you checked in with earlier today, Wes, and what you're doing even right here, right now. This is just just a process that you're in where you carried all of this all by yourself for so long. And then you decided to actually go and get straight with a few people. And you checked in with you know, you got your wife and you got your church leader and then you joined a group and you started to share some of your story. And then you ended up showing up here on a podcast to talk about it. And you're systematically kind of getting used to this idea that you no longer have secrets, Wes, you have a story and, and your story actually, uh, sorry, I'm gonna get emotional on this, but your story actually really matters, Wes. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, All of your story matters. And and it's part of the way that you are wrestling with God. God's wrestling back with you, trying to reach you. And shame is the thing that gets in the way. Shame shame is the thing that does not allow you to fully receive and accept the truth of how God sees you. And so you're systematically learning to speak that and take accountability for it and practice compassion. And all those things start to open your heart up to receiving more and more of the truth of who you are. And the more you do those things, the less you have the fear. Like I know you probably have fear being on the show right now and you're gonna have fear whenever this episode comes out and all of that. But once it does, it's one more thing you don't have to worry about. It's one more thing that you've already started to make peace with because it just is at this point. And um, you're actually already in that process of learning to embrace the story of Wes.
3: How does it what feel, you, Wes? What are you thinking, Wes? What are you feeling? Um. Well, first,
2: I am grateful to be able to share my story uh, because I know um, I'm hoping it will help others who are in the same. A situation or who had similar Situations to know they're not alone Because I think the aloneness Was Making the shame Ten times worse or You know worse than anything And, and really to the transparency The The embracing uh, Embracing the story Sitting in the hard things um, But then Loving myself through them showing curiosity and kindness towards myself um just feeling that um helpful for myself but also hoping to to help others um and, and I would have never <laughs> imagined uh, getting myself on the podcast and sharing the things I've shared with you guys today, but I feel good about it. And I know um,
3: that it's important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here, Wes. Um, could I maybe just, I know we're getting a, just a few minutes left here and I want to kind of come all the way back to your question to maybe add to your process a little bit. Um. I 100% agree that you're on the right track in in practicing showing compassion and love to yourself, a little bit of grace or a lot. Um, As you start to think about these things from your past, this kind of ties into some of the basic 12-step work that a lot of people do. But if you can start to look at your life without the lens of shame being in the driver's seat, these things, these hot spots that are now popping up for you. It's like, oh, this thing happened when I was nine or this thing happened when I was preparing to go on this mission. Um, Okay. Is there a way to be curious with that? And a lot of times what 12 step will do is they'll say, make a list of all the things that you've done to wrong people and then decide how you want to make amends if you can, and, and then let it go. And there's two parts to this. And I would say, there's resentments and then there's regrets. And you look at this list of resentments and you say, how am I going to be able to let this go because it's holding me hostage? And then you also have these regrets and you say, what's it going to take for me to let go of the regret that I carry with me? Sometimes that's going to be an action of, you know what? I need to go make amends with this person that I hurt. A lot of the time, it's going to be the practice of surrender. You know And I would imagine that you know let's let's take this thing with your church leaders. You have since already gone and taken accountability with a different church leader in a way that you feel is appropriate. What else is there left to do other than
2: let it go Well, in fact, I've even talked to the current leaders about all the struggles from the past, you know, just trying to you know yeah um you know voice them too um that part's helped, but uh. I think it's really just time to let go.
0: It's going to be the practice over and over again of letting go when the shame comes to the driver's seat, because you've already done what you can there, right? It's not like you can go and redo something. You can't go back and be like, "Hey, I shouldn't go on this church mission. Uh, let's re let's redo this." It is what it is. This is where this is where the gift of grace really comes in, where you've done what you can to make, get your heart straight and get your heart right. And now it's the practice of receiving grace through acceptance and surrender. And you'll probably get to do that multiple times over and over again as your heart tries to wrestle with it. But eventually you'll get to where you can let it go. And then you look back at it and go, oh yeah, that was part of my history. Uh, I'm really glad I had those experiences and it's shaped me to who I am. And thank goodness for, you know, your." you're, you believe in Christ, thank goodness for Christ's atonement. Right.
1: I, 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 going along with what you're saying, Tyler, like, I think I have regrets in my life. I have things that I've done that I, I don't, I, I regret. But when I look at the regrets, um, I can take those things and I can say, God, like, I'm not going to go make that mistake again. So I'm not getting on the playing field again. Um, or, you know, so I'm going to play small or I'm going to take that regret and I'm going to turn it into shame and just beat myself up for years. Um, or I can look at those regrets that I have and I can like Tyler's saying, like I can turn it into my story. I can learn from my mistakes and I can be a, a warrior for truth because of the mistakes that I made. And, um, with Wes, with you being here today, like, I, you know, part of me, I think of you meeting with your church leaders and I think God, Wes could probably teach them something, (laughs) you know, because of the experiences that you've been through and you know, and being on this podcast and sharing your story and you're going to teach your kids things that your parents weren't able to teach you. Um, And so there's opportunity because of the mess and God has laid out um, some experiences for you because he needs you in the battle. Um, and so, how do you take this shame that, that the adversary has you swirling in, face that shame, let it go, change the story to say God is fighting with you and needing you and, and there with you versus you're, you're a failure and you're letting God down, right? So... Does that make sense, Wes?
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, I feel him working with me now, okay. in, instead of for me or you know ha- having things happen to me. <laughs> I feel I feel him working with me.
1: I mean, Wes, you were able to come on the Therapy Brothers podcast and drop a bomb in the middle of it. <laughs>
2: yeah, actually, actually, you just lit the
1: fuse. Me and Tyler let the bomb go off. <laughs> I, I didn't get a poem, though.
2: <laughs>
0: well, Wes, I can give you a poem right now. You ready? <laughs>
1: oh, here we go. I, here, yes.
0: here it comes, man. And I hear it inside of you. So I'm going to say it. And maybe I've said it before on this, but it's a little bit longer, but I've but I think it fits you really well, Wes. So you ready for it? Okay. All right. You've heard it before, especially being a member of the church you are, because it gets quoted in lots of talks. It says, "Twas battered and scarred and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid? Good folks. He cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar. Now two, only two. once, $3 twice, going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray haired man came forward and picked up the bow. And wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up all the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as an angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now, my bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars. Who will make it two, 2,000. Who will make it three, 3,000 once and 3,000 twice and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, we do not quite understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply. A touch of the master's hand. And many a man with a life out of tune is battered and scarred with sin. His auction cheap to the thoughtless crowd. Much like the old violin, a mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a song, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the thoughtless crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. That's you, Wes. So there you have it.
1: I don't know if there's much more to be said. So, Wes, thank you for coming on. You guys, if this was, uh, was helpful or if you just want to throw a shout out to Wes for his vulnerability, um, and, you know, he came on here, I believe, fighting for, for, for you, whoever you are out there. And it would be awesome if you could leave a review and mention him by name. So, Wes, thank you, man. We'll see you later. Thank you, thank you Wes.